G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Two guests joining us through this hour. Adrian Blenkinsop, who is Project Manager for Converge Oceania. That's a network of youth-orientated agencies supporting discipleship of young people. And Dr. Rowan Lewis, also with us today. He's Head of Pastoral Theology at the Australian College of Ministry and co-researcher with the Your Story Project. He'll be one of the in-person keynote speakers at Amplify that starts tomorrow. So a special welcome to the two of you. Uh, to the studio. Adrian, uh, nice to ha- see you. Thank you, Neil. Lovely to be here. And Rowan, a special welcome along to you. Great to be with you, Neil. Let me start with young people, and maybe this is a broad brushstroke, uh, young people in general. And I'll come to you first, Adrian. The world is a very changing place, uh, perhaps at a greater rate than any of us have ever experienced. How do you describe the things that are changing and how that affects young people? Well, how long have you got, Neil? How long have you got? <laughs> um, I, I think that that's a really complex question. I, I think that the world has changed in the last 10 to 15 years far more than it has kind of in the last 40 years preceding it. I think at one level for, for many young people, there's a sense of disorientation because change is so rapid. There is a sense of what is stable, what is secure, what what can I trust, what can I hold on to when the world continues to change. So I think there's a myriad of, of challenges for young people who are trying to figure out who am I, why am I here, how do I make sense of the world when it comes to their spirituality and how they understand their spirituality, what shapes that. It's far more complex than it was 20 years ago, much less 40 years ago when I was a kid. Rowan, is this because we're in a social media generation? We've got all sorts of new emerging technologies, AI, uh, young people shaped differently, perhaps to the sort of shaping that you and I experienced in our growing up? Absolutely. I think the the sense of change being rapid and growing is is very much there and that change is really only going to accelerate it's only going to speed up it, life has been changing and it will always change and and one of the ways i've been uh, thinking about this as we've been engaging with the the research and looking at the stories from young people is that perhaps the things when i was growing up that we could see on the horizon postmodernism was sort of a word that was out there but we didn't quite know what it meant and um internet was a thing then we could starting to see what social media was and these were sort of things that we were worried about and it and we started to think about well is, is it going to be christianity versus postmodernism is it going to be christianity against social media and for our young people this is the sea in which they're swimming and so now it is Christianity amongst social media and Christianity through social media as well as everything else. It's just their version of normal as our, our digital natives. And so certainly social media, uh, the internet has sort of made our, our, our young people digital natives. And in, in many ways, they are global citizens. Their compare and contrast of what is normal is now on a, on a global scale. It's quite a different world. No doubt we could not have anticipated the effect that this new ra- uh, r- uh, rise of technology would have on the faith 
of young people. Um, and when we say young people, we're talking uh, people into their 30s. Uh, but the rise of this technology, it has had a dramatic effect. And while you might have an argument that uh, the church is not shrinking in size, you've got population growing in Australia, uh, some are saying the fastest growing religion is no religion at all. Uh, Adrian, any thoughts from you here on the effect of this new environment on people in general, but particularly young people? I think it's important to to reflect on the fact that historically our understanding of what it is to be a Christian um, may be changing as well. So how we understand um, the, the value and the importance placed on reading your Bible regularly, praying, going to church regularly, that's that's changing. That's being reshaped. And I, and I think that's a huge challenge for us in the church as well. Um, and interesting, like how are young people forming their faith, and and the complexity of of influences, um, is something that that is, I guess, in their research project we're we're exploring as well. Ron, do you have anything to comment on that as well? Oh, certainly. There, we included a section in the research specifically around social media, but then what we interestingly found was that while that had a specific section of specific questions, their commentary around social media was all the way through, even in simply the language. So when a young person talked about either growing in faith or maybe even starting to feel more detached from the church or wanting to remove themselves from being engaged in church, they talk about unfollowing. And, and so that you could really kind of see that for them, participating in the Christian story would be about going into church, but also um, participating in various social media platforms in Christian things. And if that started to become difficult in their discipleship journey, their process of unraveling that wasn't about stopping going to church. It would be unfollowing social media sites. So this kind of integration is really quite profound. You know, when we think of unfollowing or detachment, um, how does that fit in with the fact that some people are deconstructing? Uh, I know this is one of your areas of uh, expertise and research, Rowan. So young people who are going through like a deconstruction of what their parents are telling them, they're exposed to a whole lot of new things in a new environment today. They're influenced by their peers. Um, How does that all fit together, do you think? Because there are young people who are uh, turning their back on their parents' faith. Mm, Yes, very much so. Uh, I think the our understanding of deconstruction and reconstruction is is growing. I think uh, perhaps if we roll the clock back, we just talked about young people who were having a faith crisis and sort of leaving the church. Then there were those who stayed and that those were going. And now we're starting to see actually there's this significant period in between of people renegotiating their faith uh, in, in some way. And for, for a number of young people, that renegotiation means that they reinforce their faith perspectives, but in a new way. And sometimes that is uncomfortable for parents and churches because they would still identify as Christian, but it's now in a different way to the way that they've been raised. For other people, that renegotiation doesn't go in that direction and they, and they find perhaps an alternative belief structure or a choice to leave the church. But this um, pattern of deconstruction and reconstruction is very real. Well, let me come to you, Adrian, because uh, in your organisation, Converge Oceania, uh, you are clearly concerned about what's happening with young people, if there is a disconnect, uh, deconstruction. Uh, But you're obviously an optimist because you're sponsoring this project and you're saying, well, we need to re-engage with younger generations. How do you see what's happened with uh, young people? And is this really a crisis? Yeah, so so Converge, just to be clear, is is a network of of youth agencies and denominations. Um, I I work a few days a week for an organisation called Access the Story. 
So Converge isn't a legal entity as such, but it is this gathering of key youth agencies and, and people. And, and our focus on supporting the church to better understand young people um, and in doing that, kind of elevating the voice of young people, really came from the sense of the church. We, we, the church, tend to make a lot of assumptions around young people and there is a tendency to kind of go, why aren't young people coming to our churches? Why don't they listen to us? Why don't they respect Christians? Why don't they respect the church? Why aren't they doing these things? And I guess our, our posture has been, let's actually stop and listen to them. Let's hear their voice. Let's ask them to be vulnerable and honest and tell us in what ways has the church supported you? In what ways has it been a problem for you? Um, how can we better support you? So it's really kind of let, let's stop and listen to young people. Let's not assume that we know what they're thinking. Let's not assume that we understand their world. Maybe we don't. And so that was our thinking and our reasoning for embarking on this research project. So for older generations, uh, there's a very important element that I pick up when you're sharing those things. Um, it's not the fault of young people if they are detaching or deconstructing. Uh, we might actually point the finger back at ourselves and say, what are we doing wrong that we might be losing some young people from church life. Is that a fair enough way to say this is not necessarily the fault of young people? We've got to look at how we're engaging? Yeah, very much so, very much so. And, I mean, church history is is a story of, of how the church has changed and how it's, how it's adapted to engage its culture. Sometimes it's done that well, sometimes badly. And I think maybe we're at a point in history where we kind of go, maybe God is revealing himself in different ways to this emerging generation that that some of us are uncomfortable with. What is that? What might God be doing? How might God be speaking to an emerging generation? And we do that by listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and listening to young people. Now, let me ask you about your research here, Rowan, because uh, the research for the Your Story project, more than 400 young Australians, you've interviewed them and you've got some detailed history of their faith development. What do we learn from that? Well, we learned so much. Yes, there's 439 people that have participated in our survey and uh, we asked them a series of questions that um, enabled them to tell us their story of faith that has from their childhood years through their teenage years and up until the present moment. Uh, and through carefully uh, analysing all of that information, which was really vast, we've identified all sorts of things in terms of factors that have been highly supportive of their faith journeys, factors that have been more contrary or complicating for their journey. There's been some wonderful good news stories in there, some tremendous stories of transformation, and there's also been some heart-wrenching stories as well. What does it say about families? Because families have been under pressure uh, this past 30 years. Uh, how does that impact on the young people's journey? I know that sometimes you talk about the twists and turns mm. that have shaped young people. Mm. The Obviously, uh, the family environment is an incredibly formative environment for young people, and it's clearly, clearly evident in the data that we've seen. Um, young people who are journeying strongly and growing in their faith often speak very fondly of their family of origin. Um, they have story after story of... Um, 
parents who engage them in Bible stories. We, I just read one recently of a, a young person reflecting very warmly of her family of upbringing and speaking of her mum who used to tell stories from the Old Testament like Jonah and the whale and cover the whole family in a blue blanket and sort of re, re, uh, reimagine and re-encounter this story, making it alive for them. And so these kinds of stories um, are held very warmly in the memories of our young people. And for some people, they look back on that time and go, God seems so real that even when the difficult storms come, it's been those kinds of memories that have enabled them to weather the storms. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Graham is in Tasmania. Hey, Graham, welcome along. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, Look, how can our children, young people, Students at college, when you're bombarded, there's no God. Our children, kindergarten, in the schools themselves, our governments are rejecting God. You know, there's a generation, which are mentioned in the Bible, the sins of the fathers. They'll be cursed to the third and fourth generations. Now, I've lived in this generation. I've seen how much it's changed in my 75 years. How even when I was a kid, people was falling away from from God, and we, we got just bombarded. There's no God. You can be gay. You can do what you want. You can be a Christian and uh, be a gay. You know. Well, that's not on. Uh, okay, Graham. Some really good insights there, and uh, and I'll just note talking from seventy five years history, and uh, you know, the top end, uh, an older Australian. And we're reflecting on younger Australians and what's changed. Uh, any thoughts here from you, Adrian, for uh, for Graham? I, I think to say that that the complexity in which we find ourselves, the complexity in which we try and figure out what it what is it to be a faithful follower of Christ today. Um, is really significant. So, Graham, I just acknowledge the complexity and, and that while, while once we would hope that things were black and white, things aren't necessarily black and white. And the sense that, that everyone is against Christians kind of go, maybe, maybe not. Interestingly, um, one of the things that emerged from our survey that, that um, was a surprise to us, we, we mapped some of our content against another survey done in 2019 amongst young people, which showed that around four, around 8% of young people uh, were, were spiritual seekers. So they, they were interested in spirituality, not necessarily primarily Christianity, but they were open to, to spirituality. There was 8% around 2019 in our survey asking a couple of similar questions. That number rose to 21%. So if we're talking about young people are, are being pushed away from Christianity society is anti-Christian, well, in some ways, potentially, we are under more scrutiny, but there is this emerging generation that is open to spirituality. That That is fantastic. So there are opportunities for us in that space. Rowan, a younger generation where there is a percentage that are open to uh, Christian spirituality, uh, sometimes we think of those who are not, uh, focus our attention on those who are not, uh, and maybe we're dealing then with a shrinking youth group at our local church. What about this thought here that uh, Graham has raised um, and that uh, Adrian's responded to, that there are a percentage of young people who are interested and there is a mission field there? Very much so. The 
The survey that Adrian's referring to is the Australian Generation Z survey, and it really found some very interesting things, and um, they worked with us so that we could replicate their survey and see how it, it played out. What I find really interesting about their um, analysis is that they're identifying there's three groups, I guess, when it comes to spirituality. There are those who really... Um, dismiss the uh, dismiss uh, dismiss the idea of any spiritual reality. Then there's a middle group that are open to the possibility of spirituality, and then there are those that are, are more uh, that are convinced within the Christian frame, uh, so the religiously committed, if you like. And so that's sort of a, a shift in our understanding of before it was just against or for insiders and outsiders and there's this large and growing middle group that remain um, open or even convinced of a spiritual reality but a little bit unconvinced about the Christian story and as uh, Adrian pointed out in our survey there's 20 percent uh, quite a large uh, element of them seem to be very open to um, spiritual conversations uh, and in fact uh, that survey was quite interesting in pointing out that uh, the, f- the feeling amongst most young people is that th- this world needs to be open to religious engagement and spirituality and any move within governments to try and shut down those conversations is actually problematic. I want to thank Graham from Tasmania for your insight. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another one before news. Wayne is in Mackay in Queensland. Hey Wayne, welcome along. Hey, how are you, mate? Yeah, yeah right. um, it's um, good, good uh, conversation there, mate. But, mate, I, I was mostly one of them kids way back at a very young age, eight-year-old. I settled my own boundaries, mate. I went to Sunday school, and it was only in God's time today that I'm a born-again Christian and I'm on fire for God and working with people, young people and uh, and uh, and elderly people as well with the homeless. Mate, and, and it's not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities out there. There's a lot that's coming against our kids. The starters, you know, the discipline that we had in our younger days, it's just not there no more. And and the kids, it's very easy for them to set bad boundaries in their lives without them, them even realising that. And uh, what I've found is, is, you know, that they come in broken. you just got to spend a lot of time with them, demonstrate the love of Jesus in their lives. You know, you haven't even got a saying to about it at times. They can just see there's something different about you. And and God will will um, open the doors of opportunity there also for you to give your testimony and, you know, where you came from, which is which has happened to me going into the schools and that, which I haven't done for a long time. But Wayne, you're making some great sense here, and uh, I'm sure there's tremendous wisdom in the way that you're sharing about those things. Um, Adrian, your thoughts here for Wayne? Yeah, great observations, Wayne. And I think a couple of things that you touched on that are really important, it is is the opportunity to genuinely come alongside a young person and listen to them, get to know them, actually genuinely care for them, be prepared to be an alongsider with them who is who is there for them, who whether you agree with them, their decisions, that that doesn't matter so much. It's whether you actually accept them. And I think that sense of, of acceptance then gives you license to to share your own faith. What is it about God that you believe in? What does your faith look like to you? What has your faith journey been like? The ups and downs of what it is to be a follower of Christ. I think in that space of authentic sharing and storytelling is where a significant amount of influence and power comes when it is when we have the opportunity to engage young people. Wayne, thank you so much for your call. Let me come back to you, Adrian. You can't wind back the clock. 
<laughs> and say um, that young generations are just like they were when I was growing up yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. You can't wind back the clock, but how do you start to reset for a new generation emerging and being challenged in all the ways we've been talking about? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I think it is in part, like I mentioned before, acknowledging the complexity of the world in which we live and that young people are growing up. I, I think also one of the significant factors that has changed in this emerging generation is individualism. And so whilst we can look at young people and kind of go, oh, what's the problem with young people? They only think about themselves. You know, they don't respect older people. They don't respect institutions like the police and yada, 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 or the church. Actually, they're a product of previous generations. So our education system, our culture has encouraged and shaped and, and affirmed young people in their individualism. So why do we then kind of go berate them for thinking differently to us, for, for rejecting the things that their parents and grandparents accepted? Because it's like asking a fish to describe water. They are trained. We've encouraged them in their individualism. Think for yourself. Ask hard questions. Don't just accept things blindly. And so young people are doing that. So the challenge for us is to go, all right, how, how do we nurture and encourage them and expose them to a faith that, that they kind of go, I want to know more about this. You know, this God you talk about uh, and that you've talked to me about your own faith journey and the ups and downs of what it is to be a Christian. I'm intrigued by that. Tell me more. And so I think that that is the opportunity that we have. Acknowledge the complexity of young people's lives. Don't berate them. Um, but, but seek to understand them. Ask a better question of a young person and listen. Don't respond. Don't kind of go, well, I reckon this, I think you're wrong. Or, well, when I was younger, I did this. You know, why aren't you in church? Seek to understand them and, and, and accept them for who they are. And out of that comes license to then share your own faith journey. Something we were talking about during the news, just to bring listeners in on what was happening during the news. And uh, in fact, Adrian, you used a fabulous word, uh, which I'm going to get Rowan to comment on. Good. Uh, you said that <laughs> young people have these days a smorgasbord of faith and values. Yeah. Even the word smorgasbord is a little bit outdated now, isn't it? Because uh, everybody uses that Americanization of uh, of uh, a buffet. Yeah, yeah, well, but, <laughs> do you remember Sizzler? Remember Sizzler, the smorgasbord at Sizzler? Yeah, well, I remember it. Yeah, where are the Sizzlers today? I, I mean, I they're, know. you know, uh, I know. <laughs> hey, when you've got this smorgasbord of faith and values, young people are addressing uh, not only a pluralism of religious values, uh, but they've also got all of the ethics, all of the identities, because, you know, if you identify with a particular group, um, there's going to be some sort of political party that will turn you into a supporter of their minority, and uh, all of a sudden you'll be a political pawn. All sorts of different challenges here. What do you think, Rowan, about the fact that young people have got so much choice and then what the responsibility of Christians in churches might be to be able to present the gospel in a relevant way to them. Uh, I absolutely concur. And w when I consider the circumstance of young people and this buffet or smorgasbord of choice that is before them, it actually gives me a, a high degree of kind of empathy and sympathy for just how difficult it is to be a young person. That if you're 
you know, uh, as my daughter has been negotiating with me about how much social media she's allowed to engage with and what platforms and, and how we're managing that whole process, part of me as a parent is really concerned, like going, yeah, you're, as, as you engage with this material, your world gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more complicated and more complicated and you have to make discerning decisions amongst that. And so on, on the one hand, I do lament the culture of individualism. On the other hand, I have to hand it to young people to go, they're in a difficult situation. They need, we have to encourage them to make discerning choices. We have to help them to make their own discerning choices and to find their way through. I can't be a policeman that is um, controlling everything in their social media feed or their friendship conversations. So helping them to grow in their discernment and engagement as they make their decisions amongst this buffet of choices is a, is a really key thing. And, and if I can, in fact, say something that was really overt in the in the data that we found in the Your Story research, something that was seen as very positive from our young people as a positive experiences of discipleship, it was when people helped them with their questions but didn't answer their questions on their behalf. Yeah. And so it's this sense of faith is no longer, it's no longer kind of faith versus doubt these days. It is faith always undertaken in the context of doubt. And those disciples that help people with their questions are seen to be very positive contributors to their faith story. So not coming in with the barrage of all of your wisdom and answers the way you see it as an older person, but uh, to actually have that listening ear, cautious. But my thoughts are, uh, somehow or other, this is not a message that says, you know, cool down on the energy that you have to be able to relate with young people. I'm wondering whether, Adrian, you've got any thoughts here, because we were, lo- we were talking about listening. Sometimes listening sounds like a soft option. Um, being cautious in your conversation sounds like a soft option. But uh, there's a certain sense in which, as an older person concerned for the younger person, do you go soft or you go hard, but you go in a different way that actually is going to be, as Rowan says, helping young people with the questions they need answers for? And I think it depends entirely on the nature of the relationship you have with that young person or that group of young people. If you're, if, as Rowan was talking about with his, with his daughter and with my 19-year-old son, the way that we relate to our children is vastly different to a youth pastor who might have 10 to 15 young people or a grandparent with their grandchildren, or an older person with a couple of younger people in their church. I think it's really important that we kind of go, who is this young person or young people that I am talking with? What's the nature of my relationship with them? Do I have the depth of relationship that I can ask some gently pointed questions, or do I need to actually just sit and better understand them? And so so what what's the degree of relationship I have? And I think that's really important. Uh, for my 19-year-old son, you know, I, he'll ask me questions about faith and God and that sort of thing, and I'll be pretty pointed. But that, that's my son. Um, if, if I'm speaking at a youth event, you know, th- my response to a question or my question to a young person is vastly different. Um, and, and I think it's also the significance of, of encur- not encouraging – but giving license to questions and doubts and concerns about the, about faith in a young person, again, as Rowan said, is one of the themes that has emerged really strongly from these 439 young people. If I don't have anyone that I can talk to honestly about my doubts and fears, then then that has been a really negative thing. When young people have said in their survey responses, I had questions, I talked to my mum or I talked to my youth pastor or my chaplain, they were really good. 
that has been an incredibly positive experience. So a bit of it is kind of going, when you look at young people around us, what's the nature of our relationship with them? And that determines, I guess, the questions we ask, how pointed we are in our conversations with them. Let me ask you, Rowan, about the questions you ask young people, because uh, you've been involved in this research, uh, more than 430 young people in this fabulous groundbreaking research that's shedding light on what young people have in their journey. Uh, clearly, when you're doing that sort of research, you're asking them questions, aren't you? So uh, so hit us with a, a question or two that we might be able to engage with, uh, with the young people who are in our family, in our community, in our local church, uh, the sorts of things that we might be able to, even as... Uh, as Adrian says, um, you know, uh, engaging with those young people without actually uh, telling them everything that we know as wisdom, but helping them find their own uh, answers to those challenges. Mm. We answer, we asked them a lot of questions. In fact, the survey was incredibly long and challenging for young people, which presented its own challenges. I think uh, what part of what's unique about the survey and with our questions is that a substantial part of that were quite open-ended that enabled young people to type out their responses about their faith journey over time. And then what was interesting with an open-ender right at the end of anything else you want to tell us, a number of young people just uh, wrote in there spontaneously, this process has been incredibly helpful. I really... I don't know if they use the word enjoyed, but appreciated this. You know, I haven't had this chance to think so systematically through my, my story of faith. And so one of the things that has profoundly stood out to us and some of the resources that we've been getting, beginning to develop out of this is that it is, seems to be infrequent that young people have the opportunity to tell their story of faith. And sometimes when they do, they feel like it is overly narrowed into what we might call a classic testimony moment. Whereas offering young people the opportunity to, in a semi-structured or open way, tell me about your faith of origins. When, 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 do you, when was the first moment of faith that you became aware of? What was that for you? And invariably, it's a story of grandparents or parents or always going to church or being stuck in the car waiting for mum to leave after church or something like that is, starts the nostalgia kind of moment. And when did things start to become more real to you? Tell us a moment where things perhaps were a little bit more difficult. And slowly they weave together a narrative of the meaning and significance of their story and who was significant? What were the milestones and amongst it? And as this begins to take shape for the young person, as they're telling their story, you're becoming more aware of the contours of their faith journey and therefore what might be their next steps. Is the uh, average young person, and we're talking about uh, you know that alpha generation up to age 15, uh, then Gen Z up to age 30, are they on a roller coaster in the sort of environment that we're in now, where, yes, they had a strong faith, and maybe that was because it was being shaped by their parents or grandparents or their attachment to church, and then they're on the lower uh, the lower valley of the roller coaster where they might be saying to you, and you're asking these questions, saying, well, well I'm coming now from a place of no faith. Um, is there a place where you can feel like you're going to let go of that young person or is this a moment to persevere because just because someone feels in a moment they may be in a place of no faith doesn't necessarily mean they're not on the comeback because of a response that you might have absolutely that's a wonderful question and uh what I love about the research that we've been doing is by encouraging young people to tell their faith journey over time we're really getting this sense that faith 
grows, changes, morphs, adapts over time. And so this conversation that you're happening is happening at a particular moment. And so we looked at some of our surveys and gone, well, this person we might categorize as being in a moment of, of faith declining, but we don't know what happens in the next few months. It's just that we happen to encounter them now at this point, whereas for another person, their story is one of, of transformation and coming back to faith. But we encountered them in that moment. And if we surveyed them three months ago, it could have been an entirely different story. So being um, disciples who understand that faith needs time to grow and change, that there are periods of turmoil and disruption, and that when you encounter a young person, just recognizing that, oh, you're at this point in the journey. You're at this point in this moment of change. Okay, yeah, it's entirely normal to feel like it's all falling apart for you. It's okay. It doesn't need to fall apart, but I totally understand that feeling. There is hope on the other side, and I can be with you through that. And they might be feeling as though, uh, oh, I don't feel like I'm falling apart, but then hearing a little bit of wisdom coming from someone older saying, yeah, you know what, That's, that can be typical for your journey that you are going to have lows yeah. and that the high is just on the other side when you've resolved this particular issue you might be concerned about. Is this, Adrian, where those questions become so important about not unloading your wisdom but to helping them discover where the next years of their life are headed, what the yeah. relationships are going to look like in the times ahead? Is this a, a, an important time? Very much so. And, and I think I, I remember as a, as a younger person, Many, many, many years ago, Neil. Many years ago, uh, at times when I was going to church and and that sort of thing as a card carrying Christian, expressed my doubts and fears about what I believed, and and heard that people thought I was backsliding. And suddenly, I thought I'm backsliding. That means I'm not a Christian. I've got to get saved again. I've got to go forward to the next older course. So suddenly, I was a backslider, and people kind of looked at me with sympathy and said, "We're gonna, we're gonna come around and pray for you, Adrian." Language like that is is just really unhelpful. If someone had come to me and said, hey, good on you for expressing your doubts and thinking about your faith in a way that is robust and you're, you're not deconstructing, but you're trying to figure out, what do I believe? Like, wh- where is God in this? So in part, our language needs to continue to change. So we don't go, you're on fire for God, you're a backslider, you're unsaved. Actually, what does it look like, as Ryan was saying, where is that young person at on their journey? And if they are experiencing significant doubts and concerns, fantastic. Who's around them that can nurture them and encourage them and say, you know, let's catch up for coffee next week or I'm going to pray for you or, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. What, what are your questions? Where are you at? That sense that, that God is trusting that God is active in their lives. What part do I play in their life right now that will see them continue in their faith. So don't kind of go, well, you're backsliding or you're asking too many hard questions, you know, you're deconstructing. No, they are they are on a faith journey. What part do I play to nurture them in that? Who's around them? And I know that some parents will be thinking, I'm not equipped for this. I need yeah. help. Yeah. I need to find my local church and the person who's in charge of the youth ministry. Who's the professional? Where's a professional? Where's a professional right. for help? And and uh, let me come to you, Rowan, on this, because I think we're moving into some positive territory here. And this is what Amplify will be about. How do you equip those youth leaders, those youth ministers, those who are able to effectively communicate with young people when they're going through these valleys of crisis and you need someone to be able to have that chat. Um, This is about equipping and growing and nurturing how we might actually have a, a youth minister 
And whether that's a paid youth minister or not, or you might have your own opinion about that, but that person needs to be available in a local church, don't they? Yes, there's an extraordinary contribution that um, youth ministers make to churches, and certainly resourcing youth ministry in churches is a tremendous gift that we can give to the younger generation. And we're certainly understanding that uh, youth ministers who act as um, enablers and champions of youth ministry amongst the family of God that is gathered in a, in a church, uh, as opposed to being the person that has all of the youth youth problems outsourced to, uh, is is a really in, uh, effective role. What I will say, though, as well to parents and to um, the elderly generation, that at the time where you may be thinking of yourself as the most redundant and as the least relevant to a young person's life, the opposite couldn't be more so. It is absolutely true that young people tend to isolate themselves. They tend to stay within a generation of like two or three years above and below as their dominant kind of friendship circles. But all the evidence points to the fact that adults uh, continue to be the singularly most important, uh, helpful, supportive factor in a young person's journey. And so any activity that you can do that helps a young person know that you accept them, that you belong with them, and that you are working to understand them, anything that you can do in that space is tremendous discipleship action. And anything above that is kind of icing on the cake. Mm. But all of this data just points time and time and time again that the most positive experience that they have and sometimes the most powerful moments, the, the turning point milestones in their journey have come from being in a hard time and they still had adults around them who accepted them, who said, no, you still belong here and we are working to understand you. How important is it telling stories? Um, the research, uh, your story, uh, you've got lots of stories, uh, more than 430 of those. Uh, how important is it for that person in church life or in a community or in your own family to be able to tell stories rather than dish out advice? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, in, in both directions, there, there's a, a real sense that um, young people have been sermonized to and taught to and instructed and, and so on. And so this survey offered them the opportunity, in a sense, to kind of speak back to the church and to say, hey, this has been my experience of that. Equally, they spoke so positively of um, others, youth leaders, pastors and adults, who then shared their story in return with openness, honesty and transparency. Uh, there was Young people seemed to really appreciate... Um, yeah, uh, adults having conviction about what they believe to be so, but the young people being given space to understand that, know, observe that, but not have that forced upon them. Adrian, you've got a, a big challenge that you're rising to right now. It's how you get this sort of research that's going to be so valuable for churches and for youth leaders, youth ministers how you get it into their hands so yeah. that they can utilize these sorts of stories, this sort of research that can help to shape the way they're dealing with young people. You've got a website under construction right now, and there might be listeners who will want to write down this website and, and, uh, and, and keep visiting every now and then just to find this detail. Yep. Um, convergeoceania.com. That's the name of the website that's under construction. Correct. But you're wanting to connect this research with people who are involved in youth ministry right across the nation, every state, every territory. How important is it for people to actually understand some of the things you've been uh, trying to get in before them? It's absolutely critical. Otherwise, this research just sits on sits on Rowan's computer and we talk about it from time to time and go, wow, 
How bad is that? How amazing was that? If it doesn't get into the hands of the church, of the Christian community in Australia, then it has been worthless. It's as simple as that. So our challenge at the moment over the rest of this year and into the next four to five years is is disseminating uh, these stories in a way that supports children's workers, youth workers and families. So they are the three areas uh, that, that we want to really come alongside and support. And Christian schools. And Christian schools, yes, absolutely. Um, so, so our challenge at the moment is kind of we're finalising the, the final report of the research that will be available from mid-year and that will be launched at our conference in early November, Converge Oceania Conference, um, but also developing re- simple resources that can go into the hands of different people that can kind of go, here's the stories young people have told us, here's what you can do. And I guess capturing some of what we've talked about today in, in how, do you, how can you be a positive influence in the lives of the young people that you're engaging with. That's the point at which we're beginning to now plan for that we think is that's where the rubber hits the road. Okay, so the best is yet to come. And really, that just uh, really shows up, doesn't it? That this, what we're talking about today, is new research yep. uh, because it's not really widely spread. And so for people getting an introduction to it, uh, the Amplify Conference this weekend is likely to be the best time to check in with something that is groundbreaking and that will enhance the youth ministry in either your local church or in your community, in your family, in your religious instruction and in Christian schools. This is going to be so important. So let me give the Amplify Conference website because it's on tomorrow. Amplifyconference.com.au I mentioned you'll be able to live stream the event. Uh, You'll also be able to attend hubs. So if you're in the vicinity in Queensland, Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, Toowoomba, Mackay or Mareeba, there'll be a hub near you. If you're in Victoria, in Ngunnawading and in Warrnambool, there'll be a hub near you. And in South Australia, Adelaide, Clare Valley, Victor Harbour, Port Augusta, Port Lincoln, Hundorf, Barossa, Mount Gambier and York Peninsula, there will be a hub near you. Amplify Conference dot com dot au our two guests through this hour adrian blenkinsop project manager for converge oceania and dr owen lewis head of pastoral theology at the australian college of ministry to you adrian thank you so much for joining us pleasure neil thanks for having us and rowan thank you for just uh you know letting in some of your fabulous insights today (laughs) it's great to be with you Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.